0: Let's begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we sing your word this morning, as we read your word this morning, as we preach your word this morning, we pray that you be glorified. Pray to all things that we would hold you holy, that we'd magnify you, that we worship you appropriately. I pray the words today that are spoken to be your words, and they'd be truth, and they would have an effect on our lives for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can turn your Bibles to Acts 9. We're going to read the first 19 verses. But before that, I want to talk to you about something that happened in 1979. In 1979, Bob Dylan came out with an album. Now people laugh because I always mention Bob Dylan. But it was different. It was a, a Christian album. Could this rock singer turned rock our folk singer turned rock star this anti-establishment protester have really become a Christian? Have come to Jesus? He then produced a total of 3 albums. The first one Slow Train Coming. The next Saved. And the last of the 3 albums Shot of Love. And I want to read the words of a song from the second album called Saved. I'm not going to sing them because you guys know why. (laughs) Saved. I was blinded by the devil, born already ruined, stone-cold dead as they stepped out of the womb. By his grace I have been touched. By his word I have been healed. By his hand I have been delivered. And by His Spirit, I have been sealed. I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Saved by the blood of the Lamb. Saved. Saved. I am so glad. Yes, I am so glad. I am so glad. So glad. I want to thank You, Lord. I want to thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. By His truth, I can be upright. By His strength, I can endure. By His power, I've been lifted. In His love, I am secure. He brought me with a price. Free me from the pit full of emptiness and wrath and the fire that burns in it. I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Saved by the blood of the Lamb. Saved. Saved. And I'm so glad. Yes, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So glad. I want to thank You, Lord. I want to thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Nobody to rescue me. No one would dare. I was going down for the last time. But by his mercy I've been spared. Not by works. Not by, but by faith in him who called. For so long I've been hindered. For so long I've been stalled. I've been saved. By the blood of the Lamb. Saved by the blood of the Lamb. Saved. Saved. I'm so glad. Yes, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So glad. I want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What a, what a testimony. Now, we don't know where Bob Dylan stands before the Lord at this point. But it certainly sounds like he had the message. He knew it was going on. Now, we, we celebrate those celebrities who come to Christ. Those, those rock stars, those actors, those <coughs> sports people. You know, all these people. We, we celebrate them. We go, what a message they're going to have. What a platform they can speak from. But on the other hand, we also celebrate those reprobates who come to Jesus. Those guys who are into drugs and all this kind of stuff and they give life to Christ and say, what a testimony they're going to have. And all those things are true. But what's important about the conversion about you guys here what a testimony you have and how that makes a big difference. We're going to hear probably about the most famous and spectacular conversion of anybody in the Bible, and that's about Saul. Now, if I call him Paul, there's a reason for that. When we get to chapter 13, we're going to see that Paul, Saul started going by his Gentile name, Paul. And there's no theologic reason for that. <laughs> it was just he was preaching to the Gentiles. He picked up a Gentile name. So, if I make that error and call him Paul and Seth Saul, that's the reason. So let's read Acts 9, Acts 9, 1 through the first part of 19. But Saul, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women... but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul for behold, he is praying and he said, and he has seen in the vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. Go he has a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much me he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has appeared to you on the road by which you came and has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he began... And he regained his sight, then he arose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. What an experience. There's probably not many of us who've had that type of an experience. Hopefully none of us have, because if you have, we probably have to see you at the psychiatric hospital. Paul or Saul was going to Damascus to arrest people of the way. Now the way was what Christians were called before they were called Christians. And probably referring to John 14, 6 where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he was going there to arrest these people. To bind them and take them back to Jerusalem to stand trial. But I want to look at Saul a little bit. We were introduced to Saul at the stoning of Stephen. Remember that The people who stoned Stephen laid their their cloaks at the feet of Saul. And Saul, Saul stood there approving of the stoning of Stephen. He heard the message of Stephen. Remember that this conversion of Saul took place probably within one to two years after the resurrection. Saul was a contemporary of Jesus. Saul was schooled in Jerusalem under Gamela, the person we heard about in in Acts 5, where Peter and John were thrown into prison. They were brought before the Jewish council. And they asked what they should do for this guy. And Gamela said, listen, you know, be wary what you do because <laughs> they may even be God's instruments. So he had some insight, but he was a, a Pharisee, a Jewish scholar, and Paul studied on this man. Paul was very educated in the Old Testament. He knew, and he knew the testimonies of Jesus. He knew the Old Testament's prophecies of the coming Messiah. But yet, it had nothing to do with his conversion. When Paul talks about himself, he says when he was speaking before the Jews when he was arrested by the Roman and he was taken to the barracks for his protection, he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of of Cilicia, and brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamela according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers being zealous for God and for all as all of you are this day talking to the Jews. But then he's talking before King Agrippa In, in Acts 26. He says, I myself was convinced that I had to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but even when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. In enraging fury asked against them. I persecuted him even to foreign cities. Paul readily states what his objective was when he came to Damascus. He knew the Old Testament. He knew those prophecies, yet he was bent and determined to bring people of the way to turn, their, to turn from their faith and to put them in prison. You know, you think about, this is a speculation. Paul was a contemporary of Jesus. Was Paul? Did Paul ever see the living Jesus? Was he present at the trial when Jesus was condemned? And those we don't know. We don't know that. And it's not mentioned. And it's probably, because it's not in Scripture, probably not really important. But it makes us think. But on his way to Damascus, he had an experience that changed his life. And because of his life being changed, it has changed many other people's lives. He was hit right between the eyes with two facts. One, Jesus was alive. And this was at total discrepancy from what he believed. Jesus was put to death, he was buried, and that was the end of it. Now he sees Jesus and Jesus talks to him and Jesus is alive. The resurrection was true. And the second fact was that he was persecuting Christ. This meant that everything that Paul saw Juan to do, bring those rebellious Christians before the Jewish ruling council to condemn them, was totally wrong. In fact, he was a criminal before God. The man who had given his life to this puritanical way of thinking, this pharisaical law and all these things was now a criminal before God. More than that, he's blind, he's not eating or drinking, and one of the people, he came to condemn and to take into bondage and take him back to Jerusalem for trial comes to him and calls him brother these this conversion of of Saul brings brings several things to mind I didn't mention the um, the key statement for the sermon, which is in your bulletin, which is, God calls and we respond, and we see that as exemplified by Paul's conversion. The number one thing is that Paul did not go to Damascus seeking Jesus. He went to Damascus to arrest, arrest Christians. We see that God is the one who initiated. This interaction with Saul and that's true for everyone here if you're a believer in Christ it's because God initiated that relationship with you God took the interest God took the first step God did it he initiated that relationship we see a um, a couple of things before we get into that. That Ananias was told two things about Saul. Number one, that he was going to present the name of Jesus before Gentiles, kings, and Jewish people. And he certainly did that. We look at, he, we already mentioned he, he spoke to Agrippa. And we know that when we read the rest of Acts, he spoke to Festus, And eventually he was going to take and speak the name of Jesus in Rome before the emperor. Ananias was also told that Paul would suffer for the name of Jesus. And he certainly did that. We have a list of that suffering in 2 second, in second Corinthians 11. I'm going to read that list of that suffering that he is going to experience. Paul says, five times I received... Received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys. In danger from rivers. Danger from robbers. Danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. How is Paul's conversion different than ours? We mentioned that very few of us have had that overwhelming experience. Most of us come to Christ in a quiet way. We, it, we seem to... Come to knowledge of, yes, this is true, and I, and I believe this, and I, and I commit to Christ. I trust in him for life and salvation. We seldom have that, that <laughs> I don't know if any of us have had that experience, that light, or certainly none of us had Jesus speak to us or show himself to us. how is Paul's conversion the same as ours one is mentioned is that is that like Paul we were criminals before God we were in cosmic treason you could say against the creator of the universe separated from Him because of our sin but again God took the initiative again Paul wasn't seeking that relationship god did it and you know in the puritans would refer to to jesus as the hound of heaven that he would pursue the sinner and you know you think of a terrier and a terrier is is um single focused they grab a of something they don't want it, let go they'll they'll keep after it and that's how god deals with us In in John one twelve and thirteen, most of us know twelve. It says, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But verse thirteen says, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God takes the initiative, and and the good news is, that's the gospel. God pursues sinners. Now, God calls and we respond. And the second thing that I got from reading this that happened to Saul, that happens to us, is that God chooses us. God told Ananias, I have chosen this man. He's going to carry my name. And God chooses us. In Ephesians 1, it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. There is no question that God initiated our relationship. There is no question that God chose us and did that before creation. God calls and we respond. Next. Paul was given the Holy Spirit. Ananias laid his hands on him. Paul received the Holy Spirit, and we as Christians do the same thing. When we give our lives to Christ and trust in Him, we receive the Holy Spirit. So God initiates that relationship. God chooses us, and God gives us his Holy Spirit. In Ephesians one, also it says in him, "You also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. We receive that Holy Spirit, and because of that, we can minister to the family of believers. So in First Corinthians twelve it says, Teach is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. We receive the Holy Spirit for the body, for us. And for for us as individual and for the other believers to the church to build it up and that's us and God calls and we respond he initiates that relationship he chooses us he gives us his spirit and the spirit for the purpose so that we can be sealed in our relationship with him but also we can serve one another and because we have the Holy Spirit the next thing he gives us is opened eyes through the Holy Spirit our eyes are open we can we can see things that we've not been able to see before we can understand what God has done for us he aids us in understanding the word when we read it also in Ephesians says "Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may now know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the Saints in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit was from God that we may understand the things freely given us by God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does builds up the church, but lets us see our position with Christ, the things He's given us. God calls and we respond. The next thing that happened is Ananias called Saul his brother. This man that was sent to arrest him, to put him in jail, and perhaps even eventually to his death, Ananias can call him his brother. He became part of the family of God at that point, and that happens with us. That's the same as our conversion. When we trust in Christ, we become part of his family. We become children of God. In Romans 8, 14-17, it says, for, who are le- for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did, not receive the slav- you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer him that we also may be glorified with Him. In in 1 John 3, John tells us, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know Him is because it did not know Him. Saul's conversion demonstrates forgiveness, which we have all received because of that, because we have that relationship, because we trust in Christ, Who paid the penalty for our sin. Who lived the righteous life. And we inherit that righteousness. We get forgiveness. We get eternal life. We get a relationship with God. And that is the gospel. From this point on. The book of Acts. Begins to make a change. We've been talking about. Things that happened in Jerusalem. About the apostles, particularly Peter and John, and about some of the deacons, Stephen and Philip, and now we're talking a little bit more about Saul. And beginning in chapter 13 of the book of Acts, we're going to go on and talk about what Saul was prophesied to do: present the gospel to Gentiles, to kings, and to Jews, and also to suffer for his sake, as we see the missionary journeys that he takes. So the rest of Saul, the rest of the book of Acts from 13 on takes a change in focus and it's a fulfillment of the prophecy that Ananias was given regarding this guy who was sent to Damascus to take him to jail. And that is the gospel. The conversion of Saul demonstrates God's forgiveness and love. I want to quote I want to read a quote from uh, Tony Miranda and he says no one is so bad that he is beyond the reach of God's saving grace. God can change the most hardened sinner the vilest men and women and turn them into great ambassadors of the kingdom. And that's certainly what Paul was. Paul was that criminal attacking Christians, believers in Christ. And none of us Are beyond God's reach. Adam shared a meme with me before, I guess, in the last two weeks, and it's this The Apostle Paul entered heaven through the cheers of those he martyred. And that is how the gospel works. I told Adam this would be short. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, all we can do is say thank you. You have sent your Son to pay the penalty for us, live righteously for us. You have called us. You have initiated that relationship. You have called us to yourself. You have forgiven us. You have, sin- you have given us your Holy Spirit. You have opened your eyes to, to the Word and to the things you have provided for us. And we are now part of your family. All we can do is say thank you. And I pray that we'd have a heart to share this message with others. They too can benefit from the things that you've provided for us. Let's never forget these things.